Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, June 5th, 7 a.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 30, starting with the fourth paragraph. We are like men who have lost their legs. And we're just reading that one paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps of OA, Chris G., for the 12 traditions of OA, Anne-Marie M., and readers of the text are Leon B., Ginger C., and Carmela G. The share ID for Tuesday, June 4, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 12,988. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 12,989. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Chris G. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Katie. Thanks for your service. Good morning, everybody. This is Chris G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were power, powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles 
in all our affairs. Thanks. Have a great day, everyone. Excuse me. Thank you, Chris. I will now ask Anne-Marie M. to please read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Good morning, Katie. This is Anne-Marie M., a compulsive overeater, gratefully abstinent through God's grace. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Let's problems of money, poverty, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but, excuse me, We ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, More About Alcoholism. We are on page 30. We are starting with the fourth paragraph, We are like men who have lost their legs, and we are just going to read that one paragraph. Leon B., would you please begin reading? Good morning, Katie. This is Leon Buffalo, Leon B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Simpsonville, South Carolina. Let's see. I'm sorry, I have somehow lost my... um, 
please. That's okay. We're on page 30, fourth paragraph. We are like How men. Okay, sorry. Here we go. Um, <laughs> we are like. It's okay. We are like men. We are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. Neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. We have tried everything imaginable. We have tried every imaginable remedy. In some instances, there has been brief recovery, followed always by a still worse relapse. Physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. Science may one day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet. You know, um, the first thing I always think about when I read that was what I hear in the rooms when I first heard this comment in the rooms or this statement that I'm a pickle and that I will never return to, you know, a cucumber. Um, we read earlier that the delusion we are like other people are, uh, or presently maybe has to be smashed. And this seems to be further driving that point that I will never be a normal um, eater again. Um, you know, what was once this great, this habit that I have, that I have had, had become an obsession. And that seems to be the main problem with the big book say that it centers in our mind, this obsession. And um. And I've tried everything for me. I've tried every imaginable remedy. And what was that? You know, diet and fasting and praying and blaming my wife for for letting letting uh, me do this to myself. And you know, I seriously thought about surgery as a remedy. But I kept seeing people that were eating right right through their surgery and how miserable they were. And you know, and they became obsessed to still eat. Um, regardless, and I, and I knew that that would be me. There was something going on inside of me. And and this last statement about physicians agree that there's nothing that will make us normal and science one day may help us. And I was just reading yesterday about all these different forces and people that, that, are, that were once obese and lose weight and how these changes in hormones increase their hunger and their desire to eat. And, and talked about all these other hormones of ghrelin and GLP-1 and leptin, how they all play a role in, in, in appetite, you know. And, and, and I say to all that, you know, to what science has found about, you know, what sometimes drives people to continue to eat, that that didn't, that don't matter, you know. For me, you know, that doesn't take away what 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 will kill me and what I know will kill me if I continue to eat this way. And that's why I wake up every morning early crack this book as Leah says you know I wake up so I can get the solution which is in this book its main objective is to enable us to find a power greater than ourselves than myself which will solve my problem whether it's a whatever it may be um, internally as far as what science is trying to tell us I know for sure that this higher power that that I've been following and that I've been trying to to, to be led by by my higher power's guidance has led me to such a, a beautiful life and, and this obsession and all the other things that science is trying to figure out, it really it really has not mattered to me. Um, I'm very very grateful for this program, very grateful for what was read today. And I am I have come to the conclusion that I will never return back to my oh, I'm I don't even remember having control, but I know that I will never return to be alone. Thank you, Leon. <clears throat> okay, before we open our sharing,
just uh, wanted to let everybody know if you're just joining us, we are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 30, starting with the fourth paragraph. We are like men who have lost their legs. We're sharing on that one paragraph only. If you've not shared in the past two days, um, please go ahead and offer me your name, and uh, we'll go from there. Lisa yeah, B. Kim, Kim J. Jesse. Lisa B. Kim G. Ginger B. Jackie B. Janice. Hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Jackie. Hang on. Jackie B. What was that name? This is like a cognitive game. Janice P. M. And then Leia. Was that Leia S.? Yes, it is. Thank you. Ah, rock star. Okay, that's, we're going to start with that. That is a, uh, a very wonderful lineup. So if everybody could please mute their phone, I promise we'll be back to get more. The lineup that I heard is Lisa B, Kim G, Ginger C, Jackie B, Janice PM, and Leah S. So if you're not Lisa B, please mute your phone and we'll go from there. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your kind service this morning, your friendly service. My name is Lisa B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. I do spell my name L-E-S-A. I wanted to share on the line, we are like men without legs, and I want to share on the hope and the happiness and freedom I have in coming to accept that I am a person without legs. And I, I'm going to share something that I heard in a meeting. I might have heard it on this line. I might have heard it in an AA meeting. I don't remember where I heard it, but I loved it. So I'm just going to borrow it. What I do is every day I strap on my new legs and they are the legs of the program. And I go far and happy with those legs. And I sound so corny, I know, but I just love that. And I want to share when it talks about you know, uh, I don't have the reading right in front of me, but the doctors, you know, the, the hopelessness. And for years I went to people that did not have a solution and I felt such despair and such an alone feeling. I felt very, very alone. But coming into the rooms, not only do I hear laughter, which is what really drew me in, but there's confidence and there's levity. I can take myself so seriously and I, I get bogged down with just, thoughts. But I have to remember that there is a solution. Knowing who and what I am is the beginning of everything for me. That is everything, you know, not fighting it, not fighting it. And I'm just so grateful that I heard the clear message on this line and could see who and what I am and got right into action. And I'm able to put those legs on every day. You know, every day I wake up without my legs and I have to put on my legs of the program. And they carry me places where I'm able to function in life with stability and sanity and clarity, even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of a lot of pain and upheaval. Um, I just wanted to share that, the hope. And being around people that have the same illness that are recovered is what really began the process for me. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. All right, Kim G. from South Jersey, you are up. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. And, uh, you know, I had to smile when I heard that Katie was moderating because she's from Boston. And I remember so clearly reading this um, paragraph right after the Boston Marathon bombing. And it was becoming so much more profound um, with the idea of all the people that lost their limbs during that, um, that terror attack. And 
I, I remember watching a woman um, who runs a um, a charity, and she came in and she helped a lot of the people that lost their limbs. And she herself was a double amputee, below the knee amputee, from cancer. And she talked about this charity, and it so reminded me of Overeaters Anonymous and any 12-step program, actually, because she talked about four tenets that this charity did that helped people. The first one, she said, the power was that they were all people that had the same problem. Everyone in her charity had lost limbs and was helping people who have lost limbs. She said the biggest impediment was the people who were denying the fact that they lost the limbs and thought that their life would not change. And that was their biggest impediment. She also talked about the fact that the people learned more when they started to help other people, that they learned through this charity, but it was when they got on the other side and they began to mentor people that have lost limbs that they, she saw their greatest growth. And the last one, which really hits my heart, was that this was a woman who she said she was a couch potato. And after she lost her limbs and she had to go through physical therapy, now as a double amputee, she is a triathlete, that she has been able to do things that she never would have been able to do if she had never had that, that cancer and had lost her limbs. And I know that's the reality for me. I have a life today that is beyond my wildest dream that is possible only because I'm a compulsive overeater, only because of the experiences that I've had. So every time I read this, it becomes a deeper and deeper feeling for me. And I remember that charity and I remember the gift that Overeaters Anonymous has brought me and has, has the possibility to bring everybody on this line. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. All right, Ginger C. from Colorado, you are up. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service this morning. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And... Um, you know, I'm just feeling such tremendous gratitude this morning to be able to wake up, to not be feeling hungover, and to be clear-minded. And at an hour of 4.30 in the morning, you know, not too long ago, I'd be lucky if my eyes opened at 9. It was usually more 10 a.m. And the first thing I would do is reach over to this nightstand and open the drawer for a shot of these lemon heads before my feet could even hit the floor. And that was my reality, day in and day out. And pretty much at that point, the disease had progressed so deeply, I was bedbound. Because when you start taking this candy first thing in the morning, you don't have much energy to get through that day. And my kids would return home after going to school, finding their mother in bed, just wondering what was going on with mom. So followed always by a still worse relapse. And over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. And thank God, as I say, for every beautiful bite and that pain and that reality of where the food took me, because we just read that we have to concede to our innermost self. And for me, I took step one when I was out there doing research and when I was eating and dying in the food, because for many years, I was in pain. Yep, the food wasn't working. But they were still doing something for me. It wasn't totally doing stuff to me. And I was gaining weight and I was uncomfortable. But was I really done? Was I really out of ideas? Was I convinced that this is life and death? Absolutely not. And I kept that back door open and I kept relapsing 
over and over because life was happening, feelings were building, and I needed ease and comfort at once, and I knew what to do. I wasn't going to give up my shiny medallion in AA, but I sure was going to eat, and that's what happened. So thank God, again, this only progresses, and it caught my attention in the way that it deserved because it is life and death. I felt like I was drunk at 24 years of sobriety, and it was because of sugar. So I pray you're done today. I pray that this food has convinced you in the way it needs to because until you take step one, 100%, it's your foundation. Everything stands upon it. It's just probably not going to happen. But thank God we get to get back to research and get convinced because when it does happen, it's amazing, and I hope you don't miss it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger. Okay, we'll now have Jackie B. followed by Janice P.M. Jackie B., please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Thank you, everyone. Um, I thank you for your service today, everyone that uh, did service. Uh, this is Jackie B., recovered overeater from uh, the Bronx. Um, I'm sorry, I'm having a little... Ch- I'm having the... Mouth issues. My tooth is killing me. My, I don't know if it's my gum or my teeth, and I have to go to an emergency dentist today. But that's why I know I'm a compulsive overeater. Because only a compulsive overeater with this much pain would still try to eat her abstinent meal last night with this much pain. Um, uh, I, it's amazing to me when I, with each bite, I said. You are a damn compulsive overeater, and you know it. Even all night, I had pain, physical pain. You know, usually when I was into the food, it was emotional pain, and I just wanted to run from it. So I ate, and I ate, and I ate. Here was physical pain, and I said, you know what? I said, God, thank you for, I can feel the pain. And... You know, I did finish my abstinent meal. I will not deny that. But after that, I brushed my teeth, and that was it. And I said, God, help me get through the night with this pain. I admitted to my uh, uh, fellows that, you know, I know I'm a real compulsive overeater. There is no denying it. Okay? And that's the reality. The reality to the A is that I can admit that I'm in pain physically and emotionally. I fear if I'm going to lose my tooth. That's why I have 10th and 11th steps to write about it. I put that because, you know what, years ago, I didn't think about anybody else. I didn't think about what I did to others, only what I could intake into my body to stop, to subside, having to deal with other people. And today, I have to deal. Last night, unfortunately, a sponsee had to tell me that she wants to stay in the food. She doesn't want to work the program. And as much as I said, well, I understand, I said, God, thank you, it wasn't me. Because today, I have a reality. The reality is I'll go to any lengths to do my recovery. Because years ago, I did any lengths to get my substance, to be in the insanity. I'd rather be insane 
and working a program every single day. Like they said, put on those legs every single day than to be what I was before, where I was sitting there crying, yelling, manipulating, cheating, lying, whatever it took. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jackie B. And before we take Janice PM and Leah S, just want to remind everyone where we are in the book, in case you're just joining us. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 30, starting with the fourth paragraph. We read that one paragraph only. We are like men who have lost their legs. Janice PM, please go ahead. Well, good morning to you, Katie G. Yes, nice to hear you. My name is Janice PM. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts also. Yeah, we're talking about dentists, and, and it's funny because I <laughs> I had this in mind. This is an analogy that once we lose a leg, there is no one in this world, no doctor, no no human being that can grow a new leg. Now, I mean grow. This is a physical this is physical, um, and we know that we have a physical disease and we have a spiritual malady. So I was always looking for a physical remedy, as most of us have, and would go to doctors. You know, there's one thing that a dentist cannot do. After seven years old, we all lose our teeth, and he cannot, he never, I have never known a dentist to grow new teeth. <laughs> they just can't do it. That is the nature of a higher power to grow the teeth. Isn't that something? I love pictures. Can't grow my legs, can't grow teeth, can't unring un- un- a bell that has been rung, you know, and that's me. Once a compulsive overeater always a compulsive overeater. I cannot do anything, which I couldn't have done in 30 years, to become a normal eater. And I fought it, and I resisted it, and I denied it because I didn't want to be a compulsive overeater. Nobody wants to just, God forbid, have just one leg. Yeah, we have prosthetics, but science, doctors have not found as of yet how to grow and we have the solution here we have the solution that we can get a higher we can connect with a higher power to change us from not from a compulsive overeater to a normal eater but to a uh, um, to a recovered person for one day imagine only a higher power can do this to me you know we talked about Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall he got smashed. Now, how are you going to, you know, how, how are you going to put that together again? You can't. <laughs> so as soon as I realize and stop resisting, stop rebelling, that oh, I don't want to be a compulsive overeater, and I'm going to try, and I'm going to try, and I'm going to try, you, you're going to try until you die. And uh, are you or me? I'm talking about me. So the remedy is not physical. Yeah, you have to put the food down. But it did not lead me to a relationship with the higher power, whom I call God. Yes, certainly. And to fix this remedy, to have a remedy. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice PM. 
Okay, uh, Leah S. will take you, and then we'll have a new round of speakers. Leah S., please go ahead. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. Oh, you heard my, my voice among all the other uh, voices. Um, my name is Leah S., recovered in Brooklyn and so grateful today. Um, I am a compulsive overeater. I didn't know that I'm a compulsive overeater. I knew that I was overweight, but I didn't know that I was a compulsive overeater. Let me tell you what a compulsive overeater I was. I started eating in the morning as soon as I opened my eyes. Forget about getting out of bed. That's when my mouth started chewing, and it chewed the entire day until I didn't close my eyes at night. Let me tell you more. When I ate foods that I loved and true, they gave me a good feeling. They gave me a wonderful feeling. And then after that, I felt like I want to belch. I want to vomit. I want to, um, I just didn't know what I wanted. I would go to the bathroom and I would make myself try to vomit and I couldn't. And then I would run around, and all of a sudden, the cramps in my legs would start, and they, the, my muscles would get so bad. It was so, so bad. That was what a compulsive overeater I was. And to top it all off, I would eat my binge foods again and suffer some more. It was a slow kind of wanting oblivion and never came until it did come, and I was so grateful. I just didn't know what to do with myself. I was in hell. I was a compulsive overeater. It's interesting that I had read that um, an alcoholic, alcohol used to be called the spirits. And I don't know if people still call them spirits today, but it's interesting also that the solution to alcoholism the solution to my overeating was that of a higher power of spirituality today i have a life that is unbelievable i have an elevator in my building and to my apartment i do not use the elevator most of the time most of the time i live on the sixth floor i i i walk every morning and I go down and up every single day, a couple of dead times a day. But that's not the miracle of it. The miracle is that my relationships have been mended and continue to go on the mend. The miracle is that um, I didn't believe these promises. There's a certain uh, feeling. Kind of I, all I want. Sure, thank you. I'm going to wrap it up. This is a program that is beyond beyond explaining. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah S. Okay, before we take the next set of names, just letting everyone know we are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 30, starting with the fourth paragraph. We are like men who have lost their legs. We're reading one paragraph. So if you haven't shared in two days and you'd like to um, add your share, we'd love to hear from you. Nessa R. Harlan, Nessa, Russ, Mary B. 
Okay. Deborah um, R. Hang on. The only people I've heard so far are Harlan, Nessa, Russ, and Deborah <coughs> R. But there were some other names in there. Leah okay. R. Leah M. and Hoodie R. Okay, that's going to be our next group, my friends. So if I didn't hear you, I apologize. Um, let's see. We'll start with, so did I say that? So we've got Harlan G., Nessa R., Russ M., Deborah R., Leah M., and Hoodie R. Lots of R's. Okay, Harlan G., please go ahead. Thank you, Katie, and thank you to Gabriella for lending us her mom today so she could run this great meeting. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. When I was a little kid, four years old, five years old, six years old, people would scream at my mother and father about how fat I was getting. I have vivid memories of being embarrassed when people would scream at my mother and father about how fat I was getting and how much food I was eating and what was going to happen to me. When I got to be about six and seven and eight, they started screaming directly at me. By the time I was seven and eight years old, I wanted to die. Death seemed to be the only way out of this. It never occurred to me that I could have a life with the food. It never occurred to me that I could have a life without the food. I didn't see a solution because no matter how many people would scream at me and yell at me about how fat boys don't do this and fat boys can't get this and fat boys can't do that, it never seemed to me that I could muster the willpower to resist the urge to eat. And more than I wanted anything except death, I wanted to look and I wanted to be like the other kids. And no matter how hard I tried, I knew that I was different. What I didn't know are two things. Being different from all of them is not the worst thing in the world. There were kids that I knew as young, as young children that had to wear glasses. They were different. There were kids that I knew that had to wear braces. They were different. But I didn't care about that. I didn't see it because I didn't feel their pain. What I knew without knowing it was I was different. But now I can find a place called Overeaters Anonymous where I can be the same as you, where I can identify in. And I am going to be this way whether I'm eating or not. Whether I'm abstinent or not has nothing to do with it. I am going to be different from them. And that's okay because I have a book and I have a way out. And it's the 12 steps. The way out is not through the tools. The way out is not through the meetings. The way out is not through any other method for me than to affect a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps Thank so you. that the urge to compulsively overeat is simply not there. And oh, what a journey it's been. It is the most amazing journey I could ever have engineered. I couldn't have wanted for any more miracles that I've seen in the faces 
and the voices of every one of you. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. We'll now have Nessa R., followed by Russ M. Nessa, please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. Uh, my name is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I never wanted to be a blonde, and I also never wanted to be a normal eater. Um, you know, the people who would take two bites out of a seven-layer cake and would complain that it was too rich and they couldn't eat anymore totally disgusted me. And I think that on some level they still do. Um, my goal in life was to be one of those people who have the ultra-fast metabolism who can eat the whole entire seven-layer cake and not gain an ounce. Well, um, that's not possible. That is not possible any more than it is possible for me to uh, become a normal eater. Um, I, if, when I went to university in Philadelphia, you know, my best friend was this normal eater, thin, beautiful person. And we would go to this uh, Jewish deli um, in Balakinwed and order all these delicious yummy foods. Um, you know, like a good respectable binge. Um, and she would have a taste of this and a taste of that and a taste of something else and she was done. And that just totally boggled, boggled my mind. I, I could not understand how it does, that's possible. And I didn't want to eat like that. I wanted to eat everything that was in front of me. Like, why waste it? You know, why take it home and eat it later when you could eat it now? You know? Um, and this, this paragraph that we have read today uh, reminds me that, you know, I'll never be cured. I'll never be a normal eater, but I can still be recovered. And to me, being recovered is a much better state than being cured or even being one of those people with the ultra-fast metabolism that can eat anything and everything and not gain an ounce because, you know, if I was one of those people, I would still be in my head. I would still be focused on me, myself, and I, and I would not have the life that I have now which is um, a very contented, rich life where I am focused on how I can be of service to others. If I didn't have this disease, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have needed to go through the recovery process and reach the stage at which I am now. You know, and so in not making me one of those you know, ultra-fast metabolism people, God actually gave me a gift, and the gift was um, the opportunity for a close relationship with him, which I maintain one day at a time, you know, as long as I stay in fit spiritual condition. And how do I do that? It's still time, very please. simple. Thank you. It's what I've done from the very beginning. Be entirely abstinent and work, work the, the 12 steps um, diligently, you know, as if my life depends on it, because it does. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. And before we continue with Russ M, I just need to amend um, the lineup. We have Russ M, and then I missed Mary B. And then we'll have Deborah R, Leah M, and Hoodie R. Russ M, please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Russ M, recovered compulsive reader outside of Philly. Um, 
morning family. Uh, so I tried everything, like everybody else. You know, we're hammering and nailing this down here. Everybody's hitting the same thing. You know, I knew I was different. I, it's always been about food my whole life. And um, <laughs> the more I do the steps and work this program, it's like it never really was about food. It was about life. And uh, I couldn't manage life. And, um, you know, I, I did I did the drugs. I did every diet, every workout routine. And, uh, and I became a zero. And um, through the defeat and failure and getting beat up, I realized I need something else. You know, I know this is obvious, but, you know, it's never obvious when we're going through it. We think that we can just control everything. Well, I did. I don't know about anybody else on the line. I know I did because I have a degree and I'm smart and knew all this happy horse crap, right? That I think I know it. But see, in that, there's there's like a, there's a blessing in that. In that ego-driven, narcissistic, prideful state, I got crushed. And all I could do is cry out to God for help. So... It was, there's a blessing in that. I'm not saying that's the way to go. If you could do it another way, just surrender would be great. And, you know, I never had any relief. I never had any recovery. You know, I didn't have any, re- uh, you know, uh, periods of absences, abstinence. You know what I'm saying, abstinence. For 44 years, I had, you know, if I wasn't working out, I'd probably be dead. Because it was only a couple of days here and there. So... You know, I look at this uh, like like uh, men who lost their legs never going to grow back. So I'm never going to have my legs back. That's okay. But I'm growing a new spirit. I'm growing a new soul. And I'm growing a new life. You know, that's growing back. Actually, it's not growing back. It's just growing because it's the first time this is happening in my life through this beautiful program and my relationship with God. And the only way I'll be free, the only zero, the only way I'll be free, only way I will be free is sacrifice, surrender, and self-service for others. That's the only way I'm going to be free. And I got to roll with it because this is the, the most free I've ever been. So I love all, all of you. So have a great day. I'll pass. Thanks, Russ. Okay, so Mary B., we'll have you now and then Deborah R. Please go ahead, Mary. Mary B, press star one to unmute. I had missed your name. I'm gonna give you one more chance and then we'll 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 come up again, Mary B. Okay. Deborah R, let's go with you and we'll go back to Mary B. Deborah, are you available? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. And um good to be able to um, share that, um, you know, neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. Um, And though it was written for alcoholics, um, I can substitute the word food or food addict in there, compulsive overeater. And um, I will never be like those people that don't have what I have. Um, And it's very um, 
humbling to realize that um, when I really hit my bottom that uh, I could not control this disease. I I I think of it as being pre-wired, um, and I you know took a while to pound in my head. I understood it intellectually that I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. Well, it was usually my mind that tried to convince me otherwise. My ego and my disease, you know, are a powerful team, and I am just so grateful for those who trudged the roads before me, who wrote this book, who went to OA, to work through the 12 steps, worked with a sponsor, and um, surrendered, um, because that's what it took. You know, I have to be 100% abstinent. I need to um, surrender that each and every day. Um, It doesn't go away. Um, And uh, thank you, God, for most of the time. It it doesn't float to the surface. But that's why I get on meetings and why I do service to just keep the disease at bay and say, hey, just for today, I am willing and want my higher power and want to walk with my higher power to do the next right thing, to help other people, to share my experience, strength, and hope. And one of the great things um, it mentions in some instances, there has been brief recovery followed always by worse relapse. And I went out there and I can testify to that sentence. You know, um, it takes more than putting the food down. Uh, I can be white-knuckling abstinent, but I'm not in recovery. And recovery is working through those 12 steps with honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. And I um, feel that I am better than my pre-living in the disease. Um, I don't know what the normal eater is like, but I've got something better. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah R. Mary B., I'd like to give you the chance to press star one and share. I had missed your name. You go ahead and press star one if you're available. Mary B. Wow. (laughs) Good morning. What a surprise. Yes, this is Mary B., and thank you so much for your service, Katie. Mary B. gratefully recovered in uh, Central California. This is a section of the book that was read completely every meeting that I attended for years. We are like men who have lost their legs. And when she was in her early 80s, my mother lost a leg. And no, she was not diabetic. That's the first thing people think. She didn't have cancer. She had a disease called PAD, peripheral artery disease, from a lack of circulation. And I used to look at my mother, and it was from her lifestyle, which I won't go into here. It's a long story. It doesn't matter. And wonder if she had it to do over, if she wouldn't have lived her life a little differently. Um, She had been told by a doctor to walk, and it was already too late for her. 
but it inspires me. And when I'm out walking, I think of my legs and I thank God and thank God. And with a a life um, change recently um, in my husband's situation and being his caretaker, I found myself um, just sitting, sitting a lot during the day, curled up in my recliner chair in the worst possible way. And I thought about my mother, and I got up last Saturday, and I joined a gym, and I'm there every morning at 6 o'clock. I thank God. My mother was an inspiration to me, and wherever she is today, she would be glad to know that I take my life one day at a time and treasure it. My health is so good, and I am so grateful, and it can be that as long as I continue to work my program. I may have slipped with the physical um, exercise, but my food, my weight, my life, my program, my meetings, being on this line almost every morning, um, that continues. And so I am given the gift of life. And I thank God, and I thank this program, and I thank you for carrying the message to me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Mary. Okay, next up, Leah M., followed by Hoodie R. Good morning, Leah. Good morning. Thanks so much for your service. We're talking about lost legs. You know, I remember right after the Boston Massacre, Massacre seeing a graphic image of a victim, you know, whose legs had, both legs had been blown off and he was being wheeled uh, to medical care. And I remember staring at that image and thinking of the finality of that situation and, and remembering this passage in the text. Because, you know, for, for years, uh, I didn't want to be one. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be a compulsive overeater. You know, I had other dreams for myself. Um, yet this disease continued to uh, wrap its talons around my neck and tear my life into bloody shreds, much like that image that uh, is seared into my mind. Um, you know, the big book teaches that our disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. It defies our understanding. It's chronic because the condition never goes away. It's progressive because the symptoms always get worse, never better. That was my case. And it's fatal because those of us who persist in this illness will die early uh, death due to complications. I didn't want to buy the whole package. I didn't want to be one. You know, I wanted to defy and deny and resist the fact that I had an allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And doesn't that sound like us? I mean, I talk to people all day. <laughs> you know, they're not looking looking to identify in with this group. They're looking to justify their departure. It is the only disease known to man where the sufferer has no enthusiasm for recovery. You know, here we are peddling our goods every day, giving the opportunity to arrest this illness, have a whole new life. And you know what? The typical compulsive overeater and I was the same, saying, you know, uh, you know I'll give it some thought. Perhaps uh, I'm not as bad as you. 
you know, it's the only disease. You know, when my husband was diagnosed with cancer back in 95, uh, you know, he didn't argue his diagnosis. People who have AIDS accept that they have AIDS. People who are blind accept they have blind. People who are crippled eventually accept they are crippled. The difference is the people who, you know, accept those things. But you can be on this line, act like a compulsive overeater, look like a compulsive overeater, have a history of compulsive overeating, and yet the mind says, I'm not really a compulsive overeater, therefore I don't have to do these same things. I found for my personal self that I had been beaten to a bloody pulp because until that bloodiness occurred, I was not going to humble myself by taking step one. And if I didn't take step one, then I didn't need the rest of the program because I kept thinking that I was going to have the power over this disease and therefore I did not need to believe a power greater than myself that was going to restore me to sanity until desperation became the propellant to get me through this process and on the other side and today i walk freely and gratefully and with that i pass thanks Oh my gosh, I was double muted. <laughs> Sorry about that. Hoodie R, please go ahead. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you for leading and wow, what a hard hack to follow there. But um my name is Hoodie. Um I love this paragraph because it helps me to remember um who I am and what I'm, what I'm up against. Like, not does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. We have tried every imaginable remedy. And for so long, you know, I've been doing some reading in one of the personal stories in the back of the book where it talks about the denial, crossing the, the river, crossing the river to denial. And, um, and that denial was me all my life. I kept on trying other sorts of ways to, to identify out. I am not this compulsive overeater that you told, you're telling me I am. I could I could find a way. I could find a solution. I don't have to go I don't have to do what you have to do. I could moderate. I could eat like a gentleman. I don't have um you know, I, I could be normal. I could just live a normal life and you know what? Whenever that thought came to my head and I followed that thought, I crumbled and I went back to ground zero. I am so grateful today. I am so grateful today that I am living in the solution, and I, I accept with uh, 100% that I am a compulsive overeater. I have this disease, and I don't no longer have to find out, sort out other solutions because this way works, and this way I could be free. I could be free today, not no no, no not wondering what what I'm gonna eat, how I'm gonna eat, and then. Worst of all, even dealing with my emotions, how I go through with those feelings, and you know, and stay, stay tethered to my higher power, because my higher power is the only person that could help me to um, to satisfy my deep, my deepest longing for um, what's inside me, what I'm always trying to fill with food, and um, you know what. Yes, I'm not normal, and there are things that I had to do on a daily basis so that my connection could be clear, and that I could. And um, that's these 12 steps helped me. These are giving me the tools to live free today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Hoodie, and thanks.
to everyone for making this such a wonderful, fantastic meeting. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, June 5th, 2019, is 12,996. 12,996. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Ginger C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Ginger? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.